Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. I'm Becky Hansen. This is Closer Look. I'm with my guest, Julie O'Sullivan, Marketing Manager of Misericordia, Heart of Mercy in Chicago. Welcome to Closer Look, Julie. Thank you so much, Becky. Thank you for having me. Would you tell us a success story that gives us a good picture of the work of Misericordia? Sure. You know, uh, so Misericordia is a home for over 600 children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So, you know, we serve a wide range of people here. But, you know, one of the the things that, you know, it's it's also a residential facility. And so one of our residents worked downtown in Chicago for many years, I think almost over 30 years for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and when he finally moved in with us, he felt like he had friends. Uh, I think he had a, an apartment on his own. He was very high-functioning, and he had an apartment on his own, and when he came to Misericordia, he felt like he was part of a community, that he had friends. You know, he still went off to his job, and he'd come back, but he was able to do so many of our post-work programming that we have. He's a part of the choir and things like that, and then when he retired, um, part of his success story is that he discovered that he really likes art. We have an art department here. And uh, he was able to um, basically start a whole new career in art. Uh, you know, so he retired from his job downtown. And then, you know, with living on our campus, he goes to our art program and he was working in our office skills program. You know, and he just really enjoyed this second half of his life that he's having here. Um, and so he's, uh, you know, with his artwork, uh, we do have auctions throughout the year. And so he's been to sell his artwork and uh you know i think he just he has just found a really good fit uh to be with us at misericordia that's a great story that that gives a really good picture i like that part of the official mission of heart of mercy or misericordia is to support children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities like you said uh who choose to come to the community by providing the highest quality residential training and employment services and Misericordia began in 1921, but what was the focus in the early years? Like you said, Misericordia was started in 1921 by the Sisters of Mercy um, on the south side of Chicago, and it was a home to help uh, mothers in need, and so it was, uh, you know, more of a hospital setting. And so they did that from about from 1921 until the mid-50s, and then they started to see a need uh, for children with disabilities. And so they started taking children with disabilities in and basically changed their mission to specifically help children with disabilities. Um, And that is what we've been doing since the uh, mid-1950s. And, of course, our children have grown up and are adults. (laughs) So, you know, I'd be pressed uh, not to mention um, our executive director is Sister Rosemary Conley, who is a Sister of Mercy, and she came to Misericordia in 1969. She loves to point out that she did not come in 1921. She wants to make that very clear. Um, but she came in 1969, and so they were taking care of these children, um, and she realized that not only were they taking good care of them, but they could also offer so much more. And so she's the one that really, really started all of these programs, and she reached out to hospitals and schools, and they kind of said, you you know, we don't have this. You figure it out, and, you know, we'll, we'll take it from you, and that's, that's exactly what she did. And so typically during that time, the children – were supposed to go to another facility when they were six years old. And she uh, she went out to these facilities, and uh, what she saw there wasn't what she wanted and what she thought was appropriate for our, the children that they had at the time. And so she kept them. They're called the pioneers, and a lot of them have grown up at Misericordia. But typically nowadays, uh, we, we do have children, 
but typically nowadays in the state of Illinois, you're in school until you're about 22 uh, if you have a, a disability, and then um, after that. So typically nowadays we take adults that are 22 or older, but we do still have children. Would you tell us who the intellectually and developmentally disabled are? You know, so we, we accept all nationalities, we accept all faiths here. They do have to live in the state of Illinois um, in order to come to Misericordia. Um, but, you know, we have a full range of people with disabilities here. So we have a lot of our um, higher functioning residents. We actually have 13 houses in the community. So what we're trying to do here is make sure that our residents are living you know, the highest quality of life and the most independent life possible. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that the residential area that they live in fits their needs. Macaulay is one of our homes here. It's one of our residential areas here. And that's, that's a place where our residents require 24-hour nursing care. And so they have a lot of medical issues that need to be attended to. And, you know, so that's something that we're able to provide for them. And then also we have uh, residents here that may just need a little bit more help, um, you know, getting, getting ready for the day, uh, just sort of checking on their daily living skills and things like that. And so each of the areas on campus where our residents live is um, trying to meet the best needs for them as well as make sure that they're as independent as possible. If you're just tuning in, I'm Becky Hansen here with Julie O'Sullivan, Marketing Manager of Misericordia in Chicago. Julie, what are some common myths about the developmentally disabled? You know, I think we always use the term disability when really we need to focus on their abilities. Uh, you know, a lot of our residents here, they offer so much to the community. They offer so much to us. And really, we start learning from them. Um, you know, and I think it's not about what they can't do, but it's about what they can do. And we're trying to figure out what, how to bring that out and bring out the best in them and, again, make them independent, uh, you know, make sure that they're, they're getting up every day and they have um, opportunities every day to be their best selves, to have the self-esteem and to want to go to work. And that's something that we do here on campus is we offer um, many uh, employment opportunities for our residents. So everyone on campus that is not in school has a job. So reducing that stigma is really an important factor as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so interesting. You know, if we give some of our residents a task, they can, they, you know, go for full force at it. If they need a little bit more help, then we're going to provide those um, opportunities for them and make sure that they have the adaptive equipment that they need. You know, one of the simple things that, you know, we have a bakery on campus called the Hearts and Flower Bakery. And one of the simple things that we do is, depending on how many cookies are going in the bag, they have a sheet with circles on it. They fill up the cookies and then they put that in the bag. Now, that's just quality control for us, but that helps them too. But that's something that I would need. If I'm filling up 200 bags of cookies, I want to make sure that I'm doing it correctly as well. You know, so we don't want to increase any kind of frustration. We want to make sure the day is enjoyable for them, but that they succeed as well. They really have so much more to offer the community than they're given credit for sometimes, aren't they? For sure, you know, and that's something, you know, we always touch on the community here, whether it's the Misericordia community or the Chicago community. You know, we want to make sure that we're not, we're never, I think some of the misconceptions that we're isolating our residents on this campus, and that is further from the truth, you know, we are able to um, take full advantage of living in a metropolitan city like Chicago, and they are always going out, um, whether it's just a walk along the lake or being able to go to the sporting events, you know, restaurants, movies, things like that. I mean, nowadays we're obviously not able to do that, uh, but once we are, we'll get right back out there. But we're taking advantage of just, you know, the nature walks that we can do and just being a part of the community here. So we're never just keeping them on the campus. 
How has the pandemic affected the work that you do? It has affected us greatly. Uh, you know, I will say that kudos to the staff here at Misericordia. We have over 1,200 staff, and what we're doing, um, you know, we just pivoted immediately into making sure that we are all staying happy, health, healthy, and hopeful. The staff here just really, really took charge, and they started doing uh, programming inside the houses. They were coming up with all of these activities to keep the residents active. So it wasn't just going to be a TV day. You know, they are baking, they are gardening, they're going on walks. They have full activities throughout the day. You know, so that's something that we weren't going to take away from our residents. We still wanted to make sure that they were fully engaged. In terms of our fundraising and things like that, we've had to pivot to virtual fundraising, which I know a lot of uh, nonprofits have have had to do, and we're just very fortunate to have the supporters and friends that we have. And so a lot of our virtual events have gone very well, and so we're very grateful for that. In a normal year, which <laughs> this certainly isn't one of those, where does the funding come from? Well, the funding comes from several different areas. Obviously, we have our events and our fundraising campaigns that we do. Uh, we have straight donations that people can make online. Um, we also have foundations and grants that we rely on as well. And so we, we really make sure that we're covering all of our bases to make sure that we can decrease the funding gap that we have. I think you mentioned that you have some annual events or fundraising mm-hmm. efforts. What are they like? Because typically um, they're huge and we invite so many people to come and that hasn't been the case. But some of our bigger events that we've had to change, we have something called Candy Days, which happens in April where we have almost 10,000 volunteers on the streets of Chicago and the Chicagoland area. And typically what they're doing is collecting donations and then passing out um, Jelly Belly candies. And obviously this April we weren't able to do that, so we quickly pivoted to um, a social media campaign, you know, because we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then um, we created what is called First Giving Pages. And so we asked our families, you know, we have over 600 residents, which means we have probably almost over 600 families and siblings, as well as our friends. And we have groups as well. So we have the Women's Board, the Women's League, the Women's Auxiliary. And we tried to, you know, reach out to all of them to create their own pages to fundraise on behalf of us. And so we were able actually to meet and exceed our goal for that fundraiser, which was amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was just, uh, you know, it was unbelievable to see that uh, happen and just know that so many people in the city were rallying around us to make sure that our candy days were successful. But something that's more of an in-person event, we have uh, the Artist in All, which takes place every year in May at the Art Institute of Chicago. So our residents that work in the art department exhibit and auction off their artwork. So we have over 200 residents and most likely over 200 pieces of artwork that are auctioned off every year. And it's one night only. So this was something where we're like, oh, how are we gonna, how are we gonna make this virtual and still be able to show the artworks? So, you know, this is one of our most resident-centered events where the residents are obviously involved from start to finish with this event, and they love to go to the Art Institute and show off their work. And so what we were able to do was set up the artwork here, you know, and within their cohorts, they were able to come and see their work. We would take photos of them with their work, and then we created a whole virtual event around that. And uh, you know, we obviously have the mobile bidding and everything. So that was also very successful. So we're just so fortunate to have so many supporters and friends that, um, you know, that love Misericordia. Thank you for spending part of this Sunday evening with us. This is Closer Look. I'm Becky Hansen with my special guest, Julie O'Sullivan, Marketing Manager of Misericordia, Heart of Mercy in Chicago. 
Online, you're going to find them at misericordia.com. That's M-I-S-E-R-I-C-O-R-D-I-A.com. They're also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can reach them by phone at 773-973-6300. Julie, you've been talking about uh, different funding sources for Misericordia. How else can the community come up alongside you? Typically, we also have a volunteer, a lot of volunteer opportunities, and we're hoping to be able to get going with that again. Uh, you know, we just rely heavily on volunteers to be able to come to campus, work with our residents, help in all of our different offices, um, as well as our events. So hopefully, you know, in the next uh, year, we'll be able to start that program again. But if anyone wants to um, help right now, they can obviously go to our website, donate online. We have a hearts and flower bakery that they can order baked goods from. Uh, this is a work opportunity for our residents that we've had for many years. Um, and then during our holiday season, we will have our, our Christmas cards and things like that. And then we also have uh, new will be an online shop uh, with some misrecording merchandise and other items, gift items that they can purchase uh, that will go towards uh, fundraising for Misericordia. Let's talk about some of the services and programs that are provided through Misericordia. Uh, I know the residential program is a key part and, and it's very diverse as well, meeting different kinds of needs. Would you tell us about a few of those? Sure. So I had mentioned the 13 houses in the community. We know that a lot of our residents are aging, and you know we've never been able to um, see how the aging process has affected them until now. They've never lived this long, and one of the things that we've noticed is that there is an increase in Alzheimer's and dementia with people with Down syndrome. And so we were able to um, open up four new homes on campus a few years back that are specifically geared towards the aging. And what we wanted to make sure there is that you know, even though they're aging, even though they may have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, we don't want to take them away from their home. We want them to be able to stay here on campus. And so we built these homes to um, be able to help them. And so there's wider hallways. There's, you know, the floors are all one color so that they're not seeing any sort of, um, you know, there's a lot of spatial recognition problems that they have with dementia. And, you know, this was just something that we knew that we wanted to make sure that the residents will be able to stay with us and have the quality of care that we always provided for them. I've noticed the idea of community flows through a lot of the things that you say, and it seems to be a prominent part of the goal. Do you think it's possible that that engagement is what's making them live longer? You know, I think there's a couple things. Of course, uh, you know, this is their home and they are fully engaged throughout the day. They have activities and as long as they are able to do it, we're going to make sure that we, we, we have the opportunities for them. You know, they are a part of a community. They have their friends here. They have their family. And, of course, they're always allowed to see their family. Uh, you know, they can, you know, before COVID, we, we were able to do uh, once a month. They had a family home visit that they called it. You know, but what's fun was that a lot of the residents, you know, come Sunday or had their bags at their door waiting to get back to, uh, to, to campus So because they knew they wanted to see their friends, they wanted to do their activities, and they wanted to get back to work. You know, so I think community is very important for everybody, not just people with disabilities. You know, I think anyone relies on their family and their friends groups to get through their day, and that's exactly what we're providing here. I also like that that education is a key component. What kind of education do you provide? 
So we have, you know, besides the work opportunities, we do have a technology program and continuing education program. So the minute they leave school, we don't want them to lose anything that they learned um, at school. We want to make sure that we're maintaining that. And so we provide the opportunities for them to keep learning, to learn new things, and maintain what they have learned. And we do know, like with technology, a lot of these residents that are coming here today already know how to use that iPad or that iPhone. And so, you know, we have a whole program that is iPads and smart screens and things like that to, you know, again, maintain their abilities and maybe learn some new things. And with smart boards, it's been amazing for our residents that are non-ambulatory because it's these huge screens that they can go up to and use the pointer and they have a great fun when they're able to play the games on the smart board and, you know, the the, the music and the things that come with it. And so it's been a it's been an amazing thing to be able to introduce to a lot of our residents here as well. I also like that you have a focus on nutrition and fitness. What are those programs like? So we have our own fitness uh, center here at Misericordia. So we have a workout room. Uh, we also provide opportunity for classes. And then we have a pool. And so our residents are able to swim laps, play basketball. Um, you know, we have a, we're very connected to Special Olympics. And so we have, you know, our sports clubs. We have a couple basketball teams. I know we had sports every Thursday night where any resident could could attend. And, you know, if it was nice out, they were going outside. Otherwise, we do have a gym with a basketball court here. And so we want to make sure, you know, we would build the fitness into their day and they can go down to fitness, our, our fitness center throughout the day if they, you know, if they can or want to. And if they don't want to take away from their day at work, then they can go with their um, with their house at night. You know, and even in the house, um, you know, and especially now with COVID, we've been able to do Zoom, Zumba and things like that. Um, and they have little workout opportunities within their, within their home. And then, of course, we're always encouraging healthy eating and healthy eating habits and hydration. And, you know, that's always a part of our daily discussions. So, um, you know, we just want to make sure that they're, they're as healthy as possible and they're making the right choices. It really is a holistic approach. I know that there are other services provided as well. Anything else that you'd like to feature? Um, you know, I think with the Special Olympics, I think that's a great opportunity for our residents. You know, it was started in Chicago, and they always look forward every year to all of the programs that that provides as well. You know, so that was another connection that we were able to make outside of Misericordia um, and maintain um, even throughout the pandemic. So, you know, I just think having the, the friends and the connections and things like that is, is also very important. What's something you'd especially like the public to know about your work? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think there's common misconceptions at Misericordia that we only serve people with Down syndrome, and that's not true. I know we've discussed, you know, that we have a full range of people with disabilities um, and abilities here, and then that we, you know, we're not always full of part of the community. And, you know, I think there's a there's something to be said for the campus that we have. It's a 31-acre campus, and they use that um, to the best of their ability. And especially during COVID, uh, this campus has been a great asset to them to be able to get outside, to be able to use our field, um, and know that they can still be in their, their cohorts together. Um, and so, you know, I, there's there's always that one-size-fits-all mentality, and that's just not true. Um, what we do here is offer residential, therapeutic, and work opportunities for a wide range of uh, people with disabilities. And I think, you know, uh, it's just something that we want to make sure that everyone knows, uh, not only in Chicago, but throughout um, the state and beyond. Julie, what challenges do you face? So, you know, one of our challenges is our waiting list. And we have over three, you know, I think it's over three or 400 people that are on our waiting list that want a misericordia, that need a misericordia. 
And so we're always trying to find out how how can we serve, you know, the, the people that are waiting. And one of the opportunities that we did provide is our adult enrichment program. And so that we were able to provide the work opportunities to almost 200 uh, people with disabilities there, um, you know, to work on our waiting list uh, and know that there's so many people in the Chicagoland area in Illinois uh, and families that are wanting and needing a misericordia. And so one of the things that we are doing is uh, we're going to be building some new homes on campus that should be able to decrease the waiting list there. Now, can we accept 400, you know, more people? Not right now. Uh, you know, we already do have 600, and we want to make sure that the quality of care is maintained. We always know in the back of our minds and the front of our minds that, you know, we do have this waiting list, and so we want to try and uh, do more for them. And so hopefully we'll be able to break ground soon for that. And then also the work opportunities. You know, we provide a lot of worker opportunities on campus. We do have a bakery gift shop in uh, Glenview, Illinois. It's called the Sweetheart Shop. And so that was another off-campus opportunity that we were able to provide. We also um, have a great partnerships um, with local stores and restaurants and uh, universities here, uh, specifically Loyola University in Chicago, was able to provide a work opportunity for our residents. So we have well over 100 residents that were out in the community prior to COVID, and hopefully we can get back there soon. But that is one thing. Our work opportunities on campus are hopefully training our residents to be able to get out more into the community. But that's a huge challenge to get it to be able to obtain these jobs. Um, and so one thing that we are doing and have broken ground and, um, and are building right now is another bakery uh, that is just down the block from us. And so that will be a drive-through bakery. Uh, so we'll have the bakery items, the coffee, and uh, probably some gift items as well. And so we're always, we're always challenging ourselves to, uh, to do more for our residents. What else can we do? What else can we provide for them? Uh, you know, and how, how else can we help uh, the community itself? Our time together has flown by today. You've covered some wonderful material. Before we close, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I want people to learn more about Misericordia, and so I invite them to visit our website at misericordia.com. Uh, again, go to our social media. We have some great photos and great little stories about the residents and what they're doing now during COVID, what they've done in the past, and there's a couple of videos on there as well. And so I think that'll really give people an idea of what we do here at Misericordia and what we provide for our residents. And they can also donate online, which we would love to accept those donations as well. I'd like to thank my guest, Julie O'Sullivan, Marketing Manager of Misericordia, Heart of Mercy in Chicago. For more information on Misericordia, you can also email us at closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at klove.com. For Closer Look, I'm Becky Hansen. This has been Klove Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.